Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker and I here once again. And uh, you know, it hasn't been weeks this time. Uh, just a couple days. And we have some great news. As, as most of you know, the NHL has announced their official playoff structure. It is as we thought it would be. And uh, we are here now to break down the entire thing and uh, and begin breaking down some series. Who knows when the series are going to begin, uh, but we are going to get an early start, jump in on those. And uh, Justin, your initial thoughts, now that we have the official setup for the playoffs, uh, your initial reaction. Yeah, I guess just first, I'm excited to, to get some playoff hockey back. I know... Uh, you know, it's been months now and everybody's been dying, you know, but at the same, not dying literally, but dying for some playoff hockey. Uh, so I, I mean, just, just the fact that, you know, Batman came out and said, Hey, we're looking at, you know, doing this, you know, in, you know, this many weeks and we're, we're planning to put together this 2014 playoff format. It was, it was something we had kind of heard and, you know, thought was a real possibility, but now that it's official, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, we can look at 50 years from now and say, yeah, that happened once in our lifetime. And uh, we were lucky enough to witness the whole thing. Yeah, we truly have nothing to compare it to because, I mean, you're, you know, you look at, I guess the closest thing is a lockout year. You know, the season starts later. Uh, the players do get quite a bit of time off in, in the 94-95 season, the 2012-13 season, but they went from right from the regular season to the playoffs. We've never had where we play some regular season and then we take four months off and then we'll come back and play the playoffs. Right. It truly is. It's uh, it's going to be different. And I mean, on the one hand you wonder, are we going to see some uh, maybe sloppy play? But on the other hand, everyone's going to be real healthy. I mean, teams that, you know, or maybe further down uh, the list come playoff time if we're playing in April, now playing in July or August, suddenly their top guys are back and they look totally different. Maybe they have a shot at a big upset and can can swoop in and make and do something big with these playoffs. I mean, I truly don't think there's a team in the playoffs right now that can't win around. Yeah, that's that's fair to say. I mean, if you really look at it, right, you you know, one example, a team that I looked at was the Colorado Avalanche. They had a lot of big names going out, guys like, you know, Kadri and, and Ratnan, and now they're going to probably get these guys back, and they're going to be very formidable come, you know, playoff time. And then you even look at some of the other, uh, you know, teams that maybe were outside of the playoff pitcher. Now they come back and they got a chance to get guys healthy and should be should be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, well, I guess – with that said, I mean, do you have any, what, any, any pushbacks with this? Are you disappointed with the, with the way that this is going to happen? I do think that the, if they televise them, the weird thing will be watching like Boston playing Tampa Bay in an exhibition game. But I, I understand <laughs> the purpose of it. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't bother me? It'll just be kind of weird. Like, are they going to have those games be on TV, or are they going to just be? you know, kind of little practice games. I, I don't know. I, I guess, I mean, we have preseason on TV, so you'd think that those would be as well. But that, yeah, yeah. that I guess, is the one like, eh. You know, it's it's nice that the the one through four seeds, they're giving them some some games to say, hey, you know, one, these, these kind of have a little bit of meaning for seed-wise. 
Um, but true. Yes. Two, yes. True. I forgot that they have they have some seeding purposes. Yeah, but he, I mean, you know, most of those teams probably won't go full out, or you know, maybe rest a couple guys, and they, you know, they might not play as hard as they normally would if this was a push for a playoff spot. But regardless, I think it's it's nice that they give them an opportunity to get some uh, some play time and so they can get their legs. Because let's face it, if they you know come in cold and have to face you know, say a uh, number five Pittsburgh Penguins team that comes in off of, you know, a series win, for example. Sure. And maybe like a five game series and, and they're, yeah. they've got their legs now and things are clicking and then you got to come in and play your first game. That just wouldn't be fair at all. No, exactly. And I think the only pushback I might have with this whole ordeal is, um, you know, part of me wonders, did the NHL purposely expand it for teams like, for example, you know, um, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks, right? They have one of the biggest markets in all of the U.S. And so did they expand it just to say, hey, we want to get that extra revenue, that extra TV revenue in it. And then, you know, to the, the, the only both, other Both pushback. 12 seeds, really, Montreal and, and Chicago, yeah. both seeds, yeah. Yeah, yeah, big, you know, big markets for, for the NHL. And then, then the other, other thing, you know, maybe, you know, I might be a little one-sided on this, but, uh, you know, I, I've heard some pushback from players and some, some fans on Twitter, but you know, the fact that they're going to isolate these guys for a couple months and, you know, are they going to keep them away from their families? You know, what are, you know, what's, you know, I'm sure the NHL is going to be very safe in the way they handle these players going to the rinks, going to games, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, are they going to be able to have that interaction with their family? Are they going to be stuck literally in a hotel for two months, just going back and forth between practice rink and, you know, game rink. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. I, I suppose, you know, that, of course that would be uh that would be hard. Um, I think the paycheck makes up for it personally. <laughs> uh, yes, I would. I would personally sacrifice myself for two months for that paycheck. But I mean, I understand. Like Alexander Ovechkin, he just had a baby like what, a day ago, two days ago, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, you've got guys who want to be able to spend time with their family, and this isn't exactly anything that they signed up for uh, to be isolated or quarantined away from their family, if that's what it came to. But. Uh, I, I certainly that is that's a downside, but I guess we I you're making a sacrifice to be able to do it, and then I guess that's just how it has to go. I mean, it's it's not you know financially they really are compensated very well, so <laughs> I don't feel too bad for them. But I I do see the you know it's not exactly what you expected, it's not what you signed up for, but it's about to be maybe reality and it sucks, but. Uh, you know, it's it just kind of is what it is. Uh, I, I guess the to come like to come in and and uh, I understand. You know, does the is the NHL just doing the extra seeds for revenue? And the answer is absolutely yes, they are. And I don't know why why it's a an argument or a question because of course they're doing it for extra revenue. They need the extra revenue because if they don't, the salary cap will probably go down next year. I mean, if if they don't do something like the league is losing quite a bit of money here, and so like, they have to do something to make up for that revenue, and so it it makes perfect sense. And I don't think that you know if it had been any team below that was you know further out of the playoffs, like uh, who who's out of the playoffs right now? Like Buffalo, for example. Buffalo or the San Jose Sharks uh, or the Ottawa Senators. I don't think that they look at it and go, eh, well, you know, Ottawa's Ottawa would be the 12 seed, so we just won't we won't go that far down. 
I, I don't think that that was that didn't play a, a role in the ultimate conversation. The ultimate conversation, I'm sure, was we need to get as many teams as makes sense into this qualifying round so that a those teams can make money, our league can make money, and and it really and it, yeah, statistically speaking, was the Montreal Canadiens and the Chicago Blackhawks out of the playoffs? Yes. Was there a chance they could make the playoffs? Sure, I, I guess I guess there there was. Uh, beyond those teams, though, there was there was quite a drop off. I mean, after you you know Anaheim's five points behind Chicago in the standings, uh, who ultimately is you know ten points back of of really making the player uh, what eight points back of making the playoffs with Chicago. So I mean, you're they really were such a far distance out that I don't think there's much disagreement that if there had to be three teams that miss it, those three teams, they shouldn't be in it. Um, Also, none of the teams that made the playoffs are under 500. But all the teams... That's a good point. Montreal is the only team that's 500. All the rest are above 500. And... So, I mean, to me, there's your cutoff point. Anybody who wasn't at least 500 is out of the playoffs. And it just so happens that that is four teams in the East, three teams in the West, and and that's that. Yeah, I mean, you can't argue when you, you put a hard number like that, you know, say 500. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty black and white at that point. I know a lot of Buffalo Sabre fans are going to be a little upset because when you look at it, they're literally sure. a win right outside of, the playoffs. I mean, yeah, both both New Jersey and Buffalo, if they had won their like the games that they have in hand on the Montreal Canadiens, both of those teams would have the chance to be ahead of Montreal. Yeah. So the way the schedule worked out, it just kind of worked out for Montreal. It didn't for Buffalo or New Jersey. Uh, You know, I guess the the one small glimmer is that, hey, you're going to get probably a better draft pick and you know hopefully hopefully maybe you can you've got a shot at at a top three pick and that that could change your your franchise's future uh also buffalo versus the pittsburgh penguins uh definitely wouldn't be very favorable i don't think (laughs) i don't think anybody's anyone in pittsburgh would be worried about that one but right speaking of matchups uh let's uh Let's let's talk about a couple of them. We'll uh, today we'll focus on those five twelve matchups. I feel like we're in March Madness. This is like our own version of March Madness, talking five twelves and six elevens, and uh, it's it's weird. But uh, the five twelve matchup in the East, the Pittsburgh Penguins taking on the Montreal Canadiens, and then the five twelve in the West, Edmonton against the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, where do we want to start here, Justin? Let's go Penguins Canadians. Why okay. not? Penguins Canadians. Uh, let's let's talk forward groups for uh, for a little bit here with with both these teams. Uh, certainly, I, I think Pittsburgh probably gets a, a, a has a huge benefit from this pause because everyone was able to get healthy and uh, or they they just had injuries all year long and still managed to stay afloat. And now here we are. Of course, everyone's fine now. Uh, outside of maybe I don't I don't know how Jake Getzel's doing, but he was the one that was that was hurt long term, and uh, 
I'm not sure his his status for playing in the playoffs, but we'll we'll find out. Where where do you land on these forward groups? Yeah, I, as far as injuries are concerned, you know, uh, NHL.com does have Gensel listed as you know a guy who's likely recovered and will play uh, from his shoulder surgery. However, I did find out today that um, what's his face Nick Bustad is going to undergo season-ending surgery, uh, so he's shelved for the year. On top of I guess Dominic Simone is finished for the year as well. So that you're talking, you know, two number three, number four centers for this Pittsburgh Penguin team are going to be out. So. Uh, that's an unfortunate blow, but uh, yeah, it sounds like face- it sounds like uh, Bukestead is out for at least eight weeks, is what they're saying. Okay, so, yeah. So and there's I mean, there, there is still a chance that I mean I I don't know if we're eight weeks away from playing any games. Right. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. Um, but I mean, as far as production goes, I don't think he's a, a difference maker at all, or going to be a depth guy that's really going to um, you know make a difference not like your uh, your matt cullens of right, the old right. penguin cups so um you know as far as their production i i don't see them tailing off at all because let's face it they're very top heavy in terms of who they have um i i will say though i'm i'm very excited to see patrick marlowe finally get get in here with this this penguin group and maybe get you know a few extra games under his belt um should be a lot of fun i know that obviously we we can talk all day long about the superstar power of crosby and malkin um, and that's going to be the difference, in my opinion. You know, you look at a team like Montreal, whereas when you're comparing forward groups, right, there's no big superstars in Montreal. I mean, you do have your, you know, your Thomas Tatars and, and uh, I mean, you know, oh, Jonathan yeah. Druans, but, um, Gallagher you know, is I, probably the closest thing you've and, and like Domi yeah. are kind of your, like, not really superstars at all. They're just, they're, they're good players. They're first-line guys. Absolutely. But... I mean, again, you, you don't have these game changers, you know, and I think when you look at, you know, Montreal, obviously we, we look at one guy in particular who could potentially steal a series, and that's the guy who wears number 31 back in that, and that's Carey Price. So uh, as far as the four groups are concerned, I mean, obviously the edge has to go to the Penguins here. So it'll be, you know, win by committee if it's Montreal's forward group that gets it done because they'll have to roll four lines that can compete, and, you know, all four lines are going to need to contribute. Yeah, I mean, the biggest question is, of course, like Shea Weber, he was also, you know, he, he'd been banged up at different points during this season. So you're going to get a fully healthy Shea Weber. You've got Carey Price ready to go, who usually Carey Price is, you know, he, he, he plays quite a few games during the regular season. So I, I think now that, you know, of course, he's playing a lot fewer games this year. He played 58. <laughs> I mean, he would have played... You know, there, there's a good chance he would have been upwards of 65, maybe 68 games by the end of the season. With with 11 games left, you think he'd probably play, uh, probably play nine or ten of those games just to try and get Montreal in the playoffs if they could. Puts him at over 65 games again, but he's he's uh, stopped by everything that happened. He plays 58 games. He gets a lot of time off. And I, I really think he is a guy who will do well because of this break. I, yeah, I think him absolutely. playing fewer games is going to be huge. Having a healthy Shea Weber the whole time is going to be massive. Uh, I don't think that they can overcome their ineptitude on the power play and ultimately just trying to outscore the Pittsburgh Penguins. I, I just I don't see that happening at all. 
Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that's going to be a big challenge. I mean, Pittsburgh, right? You talk about special teams; they're right in the middle of the pack in terms of power play. And uh, you know, again, same thing. You know, they're sitting at number ten in terms of team penalty kill. But when you look at the Calgary flank or the Montreal Canadiens, obviously, they're a little bit in the the bottom when it comes to power play and penalty kill. So. Um, you know, if it if it comes down to special teams, you know, obviously you get Pittsburgh the edge there as well. And so, um, you know, they're going to need a lot of Shea Weber, a lot of Jeff Petrie, and a lot of Carey Price to really, you know, carry the load defensively and hope that their forwards can, you know, edge out these three to two games that I think, you know, Montreal is going to need if they're going to win any games here in this series. Yeah, I mean, when, uh, when you consider defensively too, Pittsburgh has been very good defensively. I mean, they're... 196 goals allowed on the season. I mean, the only there's only four teams in these playoffs total that have fewer goals allowed in the Eastern Conference, uh, or sorry, five teams. So, I mean, for a team that we're so used to seeing give up a lot of goals to score a lot of goals, I mean, they're they're a plus 36, third best in the Eastern Conference in in terms of goal differential, and uh, only one team in the West is better than them, and that's the Colorado Avalanche. So. I'm. I mean, they're they're coming in. I Pittsburgh's got to be the big favorite here. Uh, but now the question mark for me though is, do you go back to a guy like Tristan Jari, who's been on a roll for you lately, or do you roll with Matt Murray, the guy who has won you a couple Stanley Cups? And that's. I mean, that's the toughest part, right? Like you, there's no one's on a hot streak now. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me if you won ten games in a row and now the season stopped. Because here we are, you know, four, maybe five. I don't know how many months till we get this thing started. And a hot streak means nothing. I think you have to ride Matt Murray. I think you got to give him at least the first two games. If you go and you you just stink the joint up in the in the first or the second game, uh, then maybe you go to Tristan Jari. But I, I think you're going to give Matt Murray the chance to do what he's done twice before in the playoffs uh, and, and see what see what you can do yeah i don't think there's any doubt about that either i think you have to ride the guy who's been there who's who's done it and proven he can succeed in the playoffs versus a you know a guy like tristan jari who has you know little to no experience so um you know even though both are rfas after the season i think it's um it's something you got to give to matt murray and let him ride with it and you know obviously the, the leash is short given his regular season performance but it's it's his to lose at this point yeah um I mean, I think I I do think we are going to see some upsets here in this first round. Like there, you know, get outside of that the eight nine. I don't really think is you know Leafs Leafs Blue Jackets. I, I mean, I I think of course because it's Toronto, you're going to have a lot of people who just go Toronto because it's the bigger market. But I mean, either of those teams could win. The Blue Jackets are probably so underrated because they've they've got. Uh, They've got they're they're fully healthy now uh, with Calgary and Winnipeg in the eight nine. It's really not a huge difference between those teams. Uh, so it's you know if the nine wins, it's not really much of an upset in my mind. But I mean, sure. in in terms of the other ones, I mean Minnesota wouldn't have made the playoffs, I don't think. But here they are in the playoffs, and I think they have a real chance to upset the Canucks. The Coyotes have a a, a golden opportunity to beat the Predators here in the playoffs. I do we do is any, would anyone like be shocked to see any of these lower seeds beat a top seed? I, I don't think so. I mean, maybe the only one that people would really be shocked on 
is the Penguins Montreal. I, <laughs> it's probably the one that I look at and I I say, I, I if I had to like if I had a thousand dollars and I had to bid on all these series and put a dollar on at least one of them. I'd probably be willing to put the vast majority in the money of my money on the fact that the Penguins would win this series. It's probably yep. the one that I'm most sure of uh, outside of Carey Price becoming 2016 Carey Price. Yeah. I, 2014. I, I can't really disagree with you. I mean, yeah, looking at each one of these series, especially because that first round is going to be a best of five, you know, it can happen really quick and you can get yourself in a hole very, very fast. So it could be over for some of these teams before we know it. And um, obviously it, it may come down to who's kept themselves better conditioned during this, this furlough. So yeah, we'll I'm also, see. I'm also willing, I'm, I'm curious to see who ends up on the pro roster that maybe was sent down to the minors at some point for Montreal, a guy like maybe a, a yes, Barry Kotkaniemi who's, who was sent down to the minors. Uh, I mean, you don't know. I don't. I don't know for Montreal if they have anybody who uh, might be coming up from. You know, they might have played in the AHL this year and wouldn't have come up until next year. But here we find ourselves in a weird situation where now that guy they go, eh, he's ready. Let's bring him up and let's let's do this. Um, I I think probably somewhere in these series we're going to see a guy who played the full season in the AHL. Probably wouldn't have come up to the NHL, but he'll find himself somewhere in a top nine somewhere and make an impact in this first round. Yeah, that's very fair to say. I uh, I know that I know we're not talking about the series yet, but I know that the Leafs are saying that Nick Robertson is going to be their second round pick. Uh, they're saying that he'll be he's going to be on their roster, and I mean he's a guy who. Uh, maybe a sleeper pick for like a for a rookie of the year next year, and here he is coming into the playoffs, and suddenly you add a guy who he led his team in scoring in the AHL, I believe, and uh, is doing very well for himself and and coming up through the ranks, and now he's going to be on your roster because of the way things have played out. So those yeah. will be maybe some of the the underlying things that we start to find out here as we we move forward if if any new players will be joining these teams uh, shall we go to the western conference let's do it uh let's give you a prediction actually on the penguins oh. canadians okay best of 5 i i mean i'd have to say penguins take it in four games yeah i i think that that's that's pretty reasonable it's going to be pretty pretty hard to uh, i think sweep at this point just because the lack of consistency, I, I think, will still be there a bit. So it may, may be difficult to sweep, but I, I, I think I agree. Penguins and four, we're on the same page. Let's go Edmonton Oilers and the Chicago Blackhawks. The Chicago Blackhawks make the playoffs for the first time in, what, three years? It's been a while. It's been a while. feels weird to say that. There, It wasn't <laughs> too long ago that it was a given that the Chicago Blackhawks were perennial playoff and Stanley Cup contenders. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's weird too when you when you talk about perennial um, you know, playoff teams, right? We look at the West Coast, for example, and like that's one one area where I'm like, man, you know, this is you can tell the NHL has changed in what the salary cap has done because the teams like Anaheim, San Jose and LA, who we thought every year were were in it up until recently, and it's you know, it's it's pretty dry out there on, on the West Coast. 
Yes, it is. Very dry in California. <laughs> they will get no playoff hockey during uh, during this pandemic. So, sorry, yeah. guys. You'll have to watch everyone else have fun. You can watch Edmonton on the West Coast. There you go. There it is. Um, and Vancouver. That's true. Uh, and Calgary. Yeah, whatever. Arizona, moving on. <laughs> uh, okay, Um where do we want to start here? Let's start defensively because I think that both these teams, uh, it's probably their their weakest point is on the back end. Uh, neither of these teams built super strong from the, the back out. They're better, much better up front. Uh, so defensively speaking, where do you fall with these teams? Who do you like? Who are you looking to make an impact in this playoff series? Yeah, this one should be should be quite interesting when you talk about defense right you look at chicago they've got obviously the names um you know duncan keith and you know who knows about brett seabrook i I did hear that um oh calvin dehan might be ready for for the blackhawks now that he's had a chance to rest up and i think probably seabrook as well um yeah you know uh, but again brent seabrook said that he's feeling great after three surgeries and that that was about a month (laughs) ago okay Uh, so you know he he had he had surgery on both hips and his right shoulder, and that was back at like the very very beginning of the year. Uh, he was put on long term injury on December twenty sixth in twenty nineteen. So I mean, he was said that he was going to be out for three to four months based on what he had. So I would think that he'll be back for the playoffs. Okay, yeah. That I mean, not just you know, obviously. He's not going to produce anything offensively that's really going to give this team a major boost. But I do think his experience come playoff time should be interesting because, um, you know, obviously he, you know, obviously we know Chicago's success that they've had those three cups. But uh, what I'm interested to see is how some of these older defensemen for the Blackhawks, the Duncan Keys, the Seabrooks, who might log a lot of minutes are going to handle this speedy Edmonton team, right? You talk about up front, you got guys like, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, obviously, Tyler Ennis, uh, Anthony Sioux, guys who can really fly, guys who can skate, and can Chicago's defense keep up and slow them down? Well, Justin, uh, I hear Brent Seabrook just got two new hips. <laughs> but do they work? Did they put rockets in them? That's the real yes, question. It absolutely is. And then when on the flip side, you look at Edmonton's defense. Obviously, they don't have any you know experience back there, but I got a lot of young guys who – you know, for example, a Darnell Nurse for me, who could be a potential difference maker for this team on the back end. And um, well, you we know, also, also only got... got to see two games out of Mike Green in an Edmonton Oilers uniform, right? Uh, so I mean, <laughs> so, he, he is a guy, and he is somebody who could, who certainly would benefit from from a little bit of time off and uh, kind of healing himself back up. And I, I think, you know, maybe he's a wild card in this series because we haven't yeah. really seen him play with the Oilers. And if he can add that, create a second pairing. Uh, that can really move the puck and or uh, be a second power play option or first first line power play option. I mean, not that they struggled on the power play or anything, but uh, right, <laughs> only the best in the league. But. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> to be able to add that extra dynamic, uh, I mean, I, I I think that that was one of the moves that we looked at at the deadline and said, you know, hey, this this move could be very beneficial for the Oilers. It, it really could. It kind of gives them a little bit of an an edge when it comes to uh, facing off at other teams where before they had really no defensive help beyond 
Larson Clefbaum nurse. I mean, we weren't really looking at Chris Russell as much. And you got other guys who can play, but are mostly five, six guys. Mike Green comes in. He's a top four option and, and fills that out. And that's that's a big deal. Yeah. Anytime you can add a guy with, you know, obviously his veteran leadership and his experience on the back end, I mean, it's it's invaluable and will be definitely needed to an Edmonton Oilers team that is obviously doesn't have a lot of experience in the playoffs right now. Yeah, only uh, only that one playoff series a few years ago, where or I guess they had two playoff series. They made it to the playoffs a few years ago. Um, well, let's let's move continuing back to the goaltending before we go to the obvious strengths of both teams. That is their offense. Uh, Corey Crawford will likely be the goaltender of choice for the Chicago Blackhawks <laughs> here. I I think, uh, and then. For the Edmonton Oilers, Mike Smith. <laughs> yeah, I. It you know, of, uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously, right? You're you're clearly not going to Malcolm Subban to to lead this team in the playoffs. So it's it's Corey Crawford's net at this point. But yeah, that's the interesting one is in Edmonton, right? You look at uh, Mike Smith, who last year, obviously with Calgary, right? He he was a one A one B with you know David Riddick, but went in the playoffs and actually looked looked pretty good. Um, and so now he's he's kind of in a similar situation in Edmonton where he's a 1A, 1B. I mean, they literally split time, 39 games for Smith, 38 for Miko Koskinen. Um, obviously, they, they kind of want Koskinen to be the goaltender of the future uh, just because of the way their their previous GM paid him out to be anyways. Sure. Um, and he did obviously have a better statistical season. But, it, you know, in my mind, I still think Mike Smith played good enough and has the experience and success in the playoffs. I mean, he's he literally took an Arizona Coyote team and put him on his back and went to the, the conference finals. And I think, you know, you look at that and the success he had last year and you say, okay, we got a guy here who knows what he's doing in the playoffs. And I think, you know, much like, uh, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins, obviously no cup winners here, but you got a guy with success who's, who's done it in the playoffs. So I think you ride him with, uh, you know, maybe a short leash as well. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... He is a guy who can get hot. That's, right. That's just the kind of goalie that he's always been. I mean, he he has his ups, he has his downs. He's fantastic when he's up. Uh, and as long as he's not just handing the puck away, uh, trying to play it too often, uh, he's he's a I think an inspiring goaltender to play for because he moves the puck, because he's willing to take chances. Uh, I think he's probably really fun to play with. Uh, it's just when he makes those mistakes and they were avoidable, that's when it can be really deflating for especially a young team like the Oilers. Although, how young are they really? They just have a couple high-end young players. The rest of them are uh, are, are not that young. Uh, but, yeah, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see how all that comes together for both teams from the goaltending position. I mean, Corey Crawford was actually playing pretty well towards the, the the end of the regular season. He did win five of his last seven games. So, I mean, he certainly was showing up, playing really well. And, I mean, I wonder now, you know, he gets a little bit of time to rest. What's going to happen with, with him? I mean, maybe, you know, this series really could be this sleeper goaltender battle because you've got these two goaltenders who are both over the age of 35. I think I think Crawford's over. Uh, maybe yeah, Crawford's is, over yeah. yeah, 35. Yeah. And uh, Mike Smith is 36, 37. And 
So you might have both these guys beautifully rested, ready for like what might be their last playoff run of their career. Yeah, very well could be. And I think you're going to see, you know, I'm excited. That's one thing I'm excited about this long break that it's hopefully going to bring in the playoffs is a lot of the older goaltenders who, you know, maybe trying to make that last hurrah. We should see some really, really good goaltending. I mean, like guys, you know, we talked about him, Mark Andre Fleury, Henry Lundquist, guys who have stolen series and stolen playoff rounds. Um, it should be fun to watch. Yeah, my uh, l- let's move forward to the to the offensive side of this. I guess my my question first is who do you think they're going to try and and put on Connor McDavid? Like, is this a is this a a team defense against Connor McDavid, or are you going to Jonathan Taves and saying this is the defensive responsibility of your life? Go out and shut down. Connor McDavid as best you can. And I mean, let's be honest, right? You, you regardless who you put on Connor McDavid, the problem is not so much. You got another one, <laughs> right? You've got Leon Drysital, the the Art Ross Trophy winner now, that you have to worry about, right? So you've got your top two centers in in Chicago and Jonathan Taves and Dylan Strom, right? I, Dylan Strom, I obviously don't have a lot of faith in defensively to maybe get the job done against either one of those guys. But I think, you know, below him, there's not much, you know, not much else either. You know, right? Obviously, Kirby Doc, uh, their third-line center right now. But um, I think right now you're just going to have to get it done by committee because uh, assuming that it's, you know, uh, three games for the higher seed, two games for the home, you know, obviously Edmonton's going to get last change, and I think they're going to try to keep, you know, McDavid or Drysaddle away from Taves as much as possible. And, uh, you know, whether that's going to work out or not, I don't know. But obviously, anytime either one of those guys are on the ice, you might see Jonathan Taves get double shifted quite a bit in this series because they're going to want to see, you know, him, you know, shutting down at least one of those top lines. Sure. Uh, I mean, in between Dreisaitl and and McDavid, McDavid played almost 22 minutes a game. And you had Dreisaitl at 22-37, the most he's ever played in his his career on average. Uh and a lot of times there was that conversation. Can you keep playing these guys this much in the regular season and then go to the playoffs and have them be just as effective? Well, you know what? In these playoffs, the answer is yes. <laughs> because <laughs> they have had plenty of rest. They could play probably 25 minutes a night here in the playoffs and be very effective. I mean, yeah. you, could, you could essentially double shift these guys the whole entire at least a five game series at least for a couple games to guarantee yourself you know likely likely like between Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl like each of those guys could potentially win you one game apiece the way that they play <laughs> I mean as as long as the rest of the team is is playing average hockey both those guys could win you a game each and then you just have to find a couple, you know, a combination of some other players that are helping you to win some other games and that are stepping up. Uh, it to me, it's going to be really hard for Chicago to win this series unless some of their younger guys have found some kind of, you know, they they maybe had it took this time and were able to get stronger and and become better players in this, what I would just call an off season, right? Like we're going through an off season and how many guys do we see come back after an off season and either 
they've improved gr- drastically or they've fallen off the wagon. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, in order for Chicago to have any chance at this, right, they're going to need, um, you know, guys outside of, you know, Caves and Kane, and uh, maybe you can throw in Brandon Sod and Dubrinkit in that, but they're going to need those other depth forward guys to really step up. You know, your Kirby Docs, um, you know, your your Zach Smiths, your Dylan Stroms. I think these guys are really going to have to step up and, and produce because, let's face it, you know, like we talked about, there's a two-headed monster in front of you where either one of those guys can win a game and, you know, if you have to go line for line right now, it's not looking in, in favor for Chicago. So, uh, you know, it kind of leans towards Edmonton at this point. And I think, you know, if Edmonton can get a little production out of their third and fourth lines, I think they would be very happy with that. And hopefully guys like Anthony Sioux and uh, James Neal can maybe chip in a few goals here or there. And if they do so, that should be, you know, should be pretty good for Edmonton at that point. I'll never count Patrick Kane out. I just, I just won't. <laughs> The guy, the guy can, he can do so many things on his own. Uh, it's it's ironic that I mean, in most games, he's the best player. Even even now, like he goes, you go head to head, Patrick Kane against most teams in the NHL, and he is the best player on the ice. Uh, in yeah, this so, series, he's the third best. Right, and that's that's. I mean, how rarely can we say a guy like Patrick Kane isn't the best guy? on the ice for a series. I mean, that's just, it's crazy to really think about, but I mean, if you're Edmonton, for example, and, and you're looking for matchups, who are you throwing against Kane? Are you going to try to match up McDavid just because you want, maybe you're thinking of speed or do you want to go with, you know, Leon Dreisaitl because you think maybe his, his defensive capabilities are just a little bit better in my opinion than a guy like Connor McDavid. Yeah. I guess you're, you're deciding as, as the Oilers are going to have to figure out like how much, are Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid going to play together and apart? Uh, we know that they they had been playing apart. Of course, Dreisaitl has more than proven that he can do it by himself uh, because when McDavid was out, Dreisaitl just kept going. And so it's, it's not a matter of does he need McDavid there, which to me says they should be separated all the way. I mean, they should only play together on the power play and when they're, you know, when you're down a goal with, three minutes left to go or whatever you you put them out there together but i think in general they play separately and to me it doesn't really matter uh both of them are playing center you're not really i guess going out of your way you could to to cover patrick kane but uh i i think you're so they're going to be so focused on you that it's it's actually just less about Kane and more about McDavid or Dreisaitl. Like who? One of those two guys is going to be on the ice almost the whole game. That's uh, scary to think about. Uh, well, let's. Uh, any any final thoughts on this series? Yeah, um, I guess maybe you know. Good luck to Chicago because uh, you know if we talk about predictions here, it's I'm not not too uh, too excited for him. Yeah, I mean the one the one thing that could be their, I guess their their secret weapon is, you know, Alexander Nylander. He's skating over in in Sweden and and a twenty two year old guy who's been underrated. Of course, he was dealt at the deadline, and he he comes in here. He gets a fresh start, and maybe it's enough. Maybe he's been I don't know how hard he's been working, but he's had the opportunity to skate being in Sweden, and so maybe he's kind of got gets somewhat of a leg up and comes back and he's ready to go and he's a new player and uh 
if you know guy younger guys like Dylan Strom, even Alex Debrinket, if he can find another level here, well, we've essentially had another offseason. Uh, same with Kirby Doc. I think there are some players on the Chicago Blackhawks team that could potentially be much better when they come back. Uh, Adam Boakvist is another guy uh, who, you know, you get one off season, a four month period where you get to work on one thing that maybe was a weakness and suddenly it's not anymore. That can really, that can make a massive difference. And if Chicago hits on the right buttons for, uh, for this series, you know, Corey Crawford, he's done it before. I'm not going to count him out. And he was, he was playing very well in January and February and March. And so, I'm I'm down to see what see what the Chicago team can do. It's a it may be a final hurrah for uh, this Duncan Keith Seabrook Kane Taves Sod group. Uh, but if they could win if they could win just this one series, <laughs> then you <laughs> you don't know what what might happen. I mean, Chicago would I guess go on to play well <laughs> a much better team in the second round. <laughs> It'd be a lot harder. This is probably I, I can't see them winning a round against St. Louis or Colorado, Vegas or Dallas, uh, depending on how they, you know, ultimately shake these these playoff matches up. That's gonna be a tough second round. But hey, you get hot and you never know. It's truly that's the one it sucks when you're the team who's really good, but it's the best part of hockey is that any team can win on any given night because you can have when you have one great player on your team and a hot goalie, you can do anything if your team's coached well enough. Yeah, it, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, lot so of your fun. final prediction for this series is? I'll take Edmonton, but in five. In five games, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Edmonton here too. Uh, and and I don't want to be the same. I'm going to say Edmonton sweeps the series. Okay, okay, that's the, wow. Yeah, I you know, I, I ultimately I, don't think they can handle the the McDavid Drysital combo. You know, I I thought about that, but honestly, I think when you you mentioned last Taraz, I think you know guys like Keith and uh, you know Corey Crawford especially, I think they'll show up and maybe you know take a game and just slip one out and you know in overtime perhaps and. Uh, you know, push the series, but ultimately, I do think, yeah, like you talk about, McDavid and Drysaddle are just too much, and uh, you know, ultimately, will doom Chicago. I, I talked about younger guys coming back faster and and worked out some some kinks in their game. What older player is going to come back worse? <laughs> That's the other question you got to ask because there will be somebody that you go, "Oh, what was he doing during quarantine?" Whoa, what <laughs> happened to him? Uh, so for Chicago, there's a few guys that that has the potential to be. So, all right, uh, that is the five twelve show. Uh, our next next show, we we still will eventually get to. I know we, we had talked about doing uh, Team Finland top ten players from Finland. Uh, if you haven't listened to all the top 10 players all time from every NHL team, subscribe to the show. You can go back and listen to those. And now we've started top 10 players from each country. Um, so those will be fun. and uh, But for now, now we actually have real hockey to talk about. Uh, we, we might take a little bit of a deviation from that for a little while. But eventually, somewhere along the line, you'll you'll be 
pleasantly surprised with a little finished show and we'll we'll continue that series as as we go along you know i'm sure by the time we get through all these series we'll still have like another eight weeks before actual hockey starts <laughs> so we'll, we'll definitely get those in but until then you can follow us on twitter at, at ot hockey talk justin any final thoughts no, just uh, well, who am I kidding? Yeah, I said no. So no, no final thoughts. No, okay, all right. Well, <laughs> we will talk to you guys very soon. And enjoy now what hopefully is decent weather for you. I know it's it's been nice and hot for us, and stay safe out there. Uh, we will talk to you guys very soon. <laughs>